You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello, welcome back to the OTI Podcast. My name's Colin Kelly. I'm joined again by Doug Moore. Um, we've been firing at the shows. A little bit more of a gap than usual from the last show we recorded. We had Evan Silva on last Monday, and uh, we usually don't record on a Monday, but uh, usually a Wednesday night. So today we're back. This recorded Wednesday. We've been joined today by Sean Siegel. He's on Twitter. Uh, he is the fantasy football contrarian. A lot of you'll know him uh, if you've heard of the Zero RB strategy. Um, yep, that was Sean that uh, took, took credit for most of that there. Uh, came up with the strategy and uh, has been covering it for the last number of years so doug how's things um since last week uh they are they are still pretty good um i, I can't complain i'm excited to have uh, a, a terrific guest like sean on tonight yeah and peeling back the curtain um usually we record these before the guest comes on or with the guest uh, but today we recorded it just shortly after we finished up with sean so that i was very excited to have him on and i'm very excited to share that uh, conversation we had we were talking to nfc south with him and uh, very very fun conversation so definitely looking forward to sharing that with you in just a little moment um obviously we're available on itunes stitcher all the ways to listen to podcasts you can find that on the website it's the easiest way to do it and if you are following us on twitter at overtime ireland i'm pretty sure you're probably sick and tired at this point of me uh, tweeting out links to all the show so uh, make sure you're subscribed and uh, give us a rating and a comment on there it helps move us up those itunes rankings or stitcher ranking and uh, we do thank you a lot for that um, obviously, I've been plugging on the last few shows the uh, NFL Euroshop code for 10% off any order. Go to the NFL Europe Shop website. It is the same as the NFLshop.com site, but it is based in Europe. Very handy for a lot of our listeners. And if you use the code OTI10 at checkout, uh, you'll save 10% off that entire order. Uh, another promo just to run through them all at the one time. Uh, we've teamed up with LeagueSafe.com. They're great for you know getting your fantasy fees paid online because there's a lot of people now rather than just have home leagues people play in uh, leagues online and you want to have a safe place to keep all that money uh, up until somebody wins the league at the end of the year to get paid out so leaguesafe.com they've given us an offer for all new users and uh, this one is available to people just in the uk the usa and of course canada not available unfortunately to people outside of those areas but if you go to their site um click on the button in the upper right hand corner uh, for the promo code for radios or podcasts and uh, all you have to do then is uh, type in the promo code overtime ireland that is overtime ireland and uh, they will give you ten dollars into your account after the league has been fully set up and uh, is active and filled and uh, of course that's uh, ten dollars into your account for you to use in another league as you wish so uh, another offer there just uh, as part of listening to oti so that is leaguesafe.com forward slash overtime ireland to use that one that's all the plugs out of the way um <laughs> as i like to start off the show and do them i mentioned it at the end of the show after we finished up with sean as well but uh, doug heading on my uh, i guess we'll call it for the american audience the bachelor party we call it here in ireland the stag party so uh should be a fun weekend coming up uh, any plans for the weekend yourself other than following overtime ireland to get all the uh, updates on my uh, drunken fun oh um oh uh yeah no i mean that was my weekend so <laughs> um i guess now i have to find other things to do um no no probably not i mean 
uh, you know, we're going to see football Thursday, yeah, Friday, Saturday, yeah. Sunday. So that's that's obviously. Um, well, as, as long as the uh, as long as the paint doesn't go rock hard on the field, we'll see football this weekend. Yeah, yeah, and I, I'm trying to bite my tongue about that because as it is, <laughs> I don't like the NFL, and I love I love what the NFL you know obviously brings in terms of uh, entertainment, but as as an organization, as a company. Um, I, I don't mince words about them. So this is just another black eye in, in seeing how the NFL uh, likes to conduct itself and like likes how it wants to be remembered as an yeah. organization that can't always get – it really doesn't get a lot right. So. The, uh, the NFL must have a really strange uh, shaped head now because they have about eight black eyes uh, over the last two seasons. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's no, I, I mean, and you might be generous giving it, uh, you know, only eight Yeah. You know, so it, there's just a lot. I could spend three episodes talking about just how bad the NFL is as an organization and how it's run. But um, I'm going to choose not to for the sake of us not losing all of our listeners, because I, I mean, I know people love listening to my rants, but uh, not for three episodes long, perhaps. And uh, we all know as well that Doug's uh, a New England Patriots fan. So a lot of those rants probably heading that way. But uh, Doug, just uh, when we did talk with Sean and we talked about the injury news and the, you know, pop list and people being activated, uh, we did miss out on two with him. One of them was Eric Ebron off the Lions, the other Ty Montgomery off the Green Bay Packers. Out of those two, is there anything that you want to give your thoughts on them? Yeah, no, so I'm just going to clarify real quick. Eric Ebron didn't come off the PUP list. Sorry, he, Achilles, my fault. He had the Achilles slash ankle injury that a lot of people were concerned about last week. Uh, he did not practice as of today, I believe, but um, it seems now that he should be back before the regular season starts. Um, but, yeah, no, the guy I wanted to mention uh, that we didn't get to, obviously, because of time constraints originally, is Ty Montgomery. He's a guy I'm pretty high on. Third-round pick in 2015 out of Stanford. Um you know, when we saw the Packers lose Jordy Nelson last season, there was a lot of talk of Devontae Adams stepping up, being that number two guy behind Randall Cobb. Didn't always work out that way. Actually, it didn't work at all that way. Um, and I think we saw some good showing from Ty Montgomery last season before he went down with that ankle injury that yeah. subsequently he had microfracture surgery on, which is always scary to hear when it comes to an athlete. But he just was activated, I believe, the same time that Jared Cook was activated. Um, so I, I think he's a guy that he's a, he's obviously a little bit behind. We're in August now, um, and we're just about at uh, you know week one of preseason. So he's a little bit behind, but I think he's a guy that as we get into the season along, assuming he stays healthy, which I think he will, um, he's a guy I think will ultimately take the number three job yeah. uh, for the wide receiver position in, in Green Bay, uh, away from whoever you want to call is taking it right now, Devontae Adams or or Jeff Janis or, or Jared Aberonis. Aberderis. 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 Even a guy like uh, Trevor um, – oh, God, like Trevor Davis, their yeah. fifth-round pick out of Cal. So I, I ultimately see Ty Montgomery taking that spot. So that's why I think he's at least worth benching for me at least, and I could be biased. I'm not, I don't have a bias for him, yep. but I just if there's one guy I like more than the other, it's it's uh, it's Ty Montgomery. So yeah. good news to see him coming off the PUP. Yeah, as a Packers fan as well, um, he's somebody that I've kept a close eye on. I thought he was quite impressive in this kind of couple of games that he had last season before that injury. 
you know, he's a, an effective return man as well. Might help him get a, a chance to get on the field. But as you mentioned, I do expect him to uh, really challenge for that third uh, wide receiver slot there. Uh, I think, you know, unless we see something drastically improved from what Devontae Adams produced last season, I think uh, he, he'll end up getting an opportunity. It mightn't be week one, but I think as, uh, you know, the season progresses, I think he'll fill into that role. So he has one uh, in dynasty leagues that I've been picking up uh, over the last uh, season or so. And um, I think, you know, just keep an eye on him. Uh, it probably a waiver wire acquisition during the season. So that there uh, is all the little bits that we we missed out those two bits uh, when we talked to Sean. But let's get into that conversation we had with Sean now. Hi, I'm Matt Williamson, and you are listening to the Overtime Ireland podcast. Joined now in the podcast by Sean Siegel. A lot of you'll know him as uh, Mister Zero RB, the fantasy football contrarian on Twitter. Sean, uh, thanks for jumping aboard the show. Glad to be here. Um, obviously, um, you know we're going to talk a lot tonight about the NFC South, so there's lots of interesting topics and players to talk about in that. But we're going to talk a little bit about uh, NFL news first. And you know, since the way things are just developing with training camp at the moment, it's kind of difficult to keep up with anything. So, if at any point I go through a piece of news here and it is completely uh, different than it was uh, 15 minutes ago, don't be afraid to correct me. But uh, we'll start off first. Obviously, the Hall of Fame game was uh, cancelled uh, this past uh, Sunday night. We thought we were going to get our first uh, action off the season and although we all run down the preseason say we're not too interested in the coming around when it's the first one we were kind of a little bit interested we'll pretend but uh, the Packers and the Colts got called off uh, Brett Favre went into the Hall of Fame but all that there at the moment not uh, fantasy football relevant so we'll just uh, go on past it the first piece of news that I have that is fantasy football relevant and I think over the last couple of weeks it isn't too much of a surprise but me and Doug had been kind of pumping up uh, Josh McCown on a couple of shows but uh, RG3 named uh, as the Browns starter heading into week one of the preseason. Uh, were you anyway surprised at this Sean and uh, do you see him being uh, a value this season at his current position? Do you expect him to stay as the, the starter heading into week one of the regular season? I think he'll he'll be the starter for a while and certainly if he can hold the starting position through when Josh Gordon comes back, if in fact that does end up happening, then I think it would start to get to where it could be a pretty exciting development. Obviously, since he's basically free in, in drafts, there's not a lot of risk if you do decide to go after him there. And, and there could be some upside. The thing you just hope is that in their offense, they decide to use him to his strengths. Ever since his rookie year, it seems that both he and his coaches ha- have really tried to de-emphasize his strengths and then make you know, really try and force him to succeed with his weaknesses and you know that's that's just not a recipe for success yeah i have to agree with you it's gonna be interesting to see i'm looking forward to seeing how he does there's obviously been talk about and scrimmages how he's looked good and so on but you know it's it's a bit different even though it is only the preseason compared to the regular season when there is people trying to really take your head off when it comes to, to getting to the quarterback i'm interested to see how he does under pressure and if he can stay in the pocket a little bit longer that was always the issue with him scrambling out of the pocket a little bit uh, too early in the in the play development so we'll see what happens there and as you mentioned when uh, garden comes back could be very very interesting for his value as a, as a streamer during the season uh, big news in another part was uh, we were all kind of terrified yesterday at a point when Julian Edelman who's just come back from foot surgery uh, slammed his helmet down it was all over Twitter uh, left the left the field on a, on a cart and thankfully he's returned to, to the field uh, for practice today which is Wednesday we record this so good news for anyone out there I guess with uh, Julian Edelman shares Doug uh, yeah, no, there was a lot of concern. Um, yeah. They were looking at his left foot where he's had surgery. He had it back in May, and then obviously I believe that was the foot he broke last season, had to have surgery as well. Uh, a lot of a lot of relief that he was back on the field, and then we saw the reports yesterday that it was not serious. From what I've heard, at least, 
it's it's nothing more than a bruise, but it might just not even be that. It's it's just simply, you know, there was some pain in that area, and you know, it, it scared a lot of people, including himself, because obviously he had just come off of the uh, the pup list uh, not even a week ago. So, but yeah, everything is fine with him. Uh, you know, he has his usual risk. Uh, where he does deal with injuries, but he also has been known to play through injuries as well. Um, obviously, what he dealt with last season, he broke a bone in his foot. You know, that's that's hard to to play through. So he's going to carry some risk, um, but he's in, in an extremely, you know, uh, high-octane offense uh, with Tom Brady on the field, and he's obviously that number one uh, wide receiver for him. So there's definitely going to be some value for him. Um, I could see him definitely having some some uh, wide receiver two value um, in both PPR and, and standard, if not better. But yeah, overall good. It's a it's a big sigh of relief. Yeah, it was great. It was great to see him back on the field, and you know, with Twitter now, it's, it is a great resource. But we have uh, we I mentioned it. I think it was two weeks ago when uh, Odell Beckham got that little graze in his ankle, and uh, Julio Jones hobbled off for a minute of training. We all kind of lost our minds, and similar thing happened here with this. But thankfully, in this uh, scenario, he is uh, back on the field, and things should be okay heading into uh, the first game of the preseason for the Patriots. Bad news for them was defensive end Rob Ninkovich. Uh, he tore his triceps. Adam Schefter reporting that he could be out for four to six weeks. Uh, it looks like that's a positive, in my opinion. Uh, re- you know, result out of it. This is an injury that I was when I heard. I thought would be more like a, a season end an injury so we'll see what happens with him there a very important part of the Patriots uh, defensive scheme good news you mentioned there about uh, Edelman coming off the pup there's a good few players come off the pup I'm going to run through all four of them that I have written down and then I'm going to let Sean uh, give his thoughts on them all or whichever ones he thinks are really really relevant well the first one isn't going to be too relevant to us it's uh, Jets defensive end Mo Wilkerson he's off the pup so it's uh, very good news for the Jets but the other three are relevant in fantasy terms uh, Thomas Rawls coming back off that ankle injury he uh, passes physical activated by the Seahawks uh Packers uh, tight end Jared Cook he's been activated as well and then the latest one and this is just uh, a couple hours ago is Jimmy Graham as well for the Seattle Seahawks coming off that patella tendon injury one that I didn't think that he would be activated this early so a very positive sign there I uh, suppose the two Seahawks are the main ones to look at uh, Sean but again there's uh, some interest around Jared Cook uh, now that he has Aaron Rodgers thrown in the ball yeah I think that the Rawls one is especially interesting because he yeah. really needs to get out there and demonstrate sort of where he is and and what his role is going to be in the offense when you consider what his ADP is and how early he's going. I certainly think, you know, he deserves a ton of credit for just how amazing he was last year because there's really no other way to spin it. He was extremely good for them. You know, you look on a per play basis, he was much, much better than Marshawn Lynch and and their, their offense really excelled when he was in there. At the same time, they have some other people who are pretty interesting and Alex Collins, especially, I think, is someone who you know could be a similar type of talent, could provide similar types of production for them. And so, when you look at the price of the two players, uh, if you're a Rawls owner, or a Rawls fan, you really want to see him out there and reestablishing himself as the guy who's going to get the vast majority of the carries. Yeah, definitely agree. Um, on Jimmy Graham, do you think that you know? The patella tendon injury is such a severe injury. We've seen how much someone like Victor Cruz has struggled to come back. This is positive that he's back this early, but is it just, uh, again, like you said with Rawls, see what he can do at this stage? Is it just kind of wait and see with Jimmy Graham as well? It's certainly very positive. The question there for owners is, you know, he's, he's obviously going to be able to play. He's going to be a part of their offense, and he probably will work into their offense better. The fact that the offense, you know, really sort of exploded after he left last year. You know, I think that's a positive for him because 
if we see Doug Baldwin and, and Tyler Lockett playing well, that should really open things up for him. Yeah. The problem is just that even if he's able to play, if he's only if he's able to go out and practice, but never this year really gets above, say, 75 percent of his old self, then especially in a low volume offense, it makes it a little bit tricky to decide how to value him. Yeah, I'm going to try and wait and see if we can see him in some preseason action before uh, making any definitive move there. Uh, wouldn't be too optimistic coming off that injury, but uh, we'll see how he goes. Finishing up on a bit of a downer, uh, Bill's second round inside linebacker uh, Reggie Ragland. He tore his ACL in training this past week. He's out for the season for them as well, so the Bills having a, a bit of a bad week uh, from an injury perspective. Moving on now, we'll get into the NFC South talk. We're going to talk with uh, the Panthers about the Panthers first and uh, obviously they made the Super Bowl last year but didn't get um, anything in the end of it all uh, you know Cam Newton is he just to be expected what he has been outside of two seasons ago when he had that ankle injury early in the season and struggled throughout it uh, to be a top five uh, kind of quarterback option no doubts around that again yeah I think Newton will uh, will be the guy he brings value in so many different areas and their receiving core continues to get better and they've got the big receivers they've got the explosive receivers he doesn't necessarily need to throw as many passes to deliver a lot of the passing volume the other quarterbacks you know just really need a lot more passes to deliver the same thing and then you add all his goal line carries on there i think he's very upside very high upside and simultaneously very safe the question just comes in in terms of we have so many solid quarterbacks for this year and we have so many situations where you could actually pick two pretty elite quarterbacks play them in their best matchups get similar production for a much you know lesser cost and so even if he looks like the number one guy he becomes a pretty difficult pick in fantasy leagues yeah no just i mean just to add on that you know and the thing is is that nothing really changed about this offense we saw them you know they they didn't make any real big additions to the team uh, you know, they, they kept their offensive line. They didn't really make any additions to their to their running back core. And then, you know, they're getting back Kelvin Benjamin. I'm not exactly high on Kelvin Benjamin in terms of fantasy, but it never hurts to have a guy like that to throw to. And then obviously Devin Funch just came on late in the season. Like you said, they're getting better. Um, you know, even Ted Ginn, he's still a home run type of guy who's a, a hit or miss type of guy. Um, so he, he could put up some big plays for you. Um, and, and then also you got Greg Olson too. So he's got a, a good amount of weapons. They may not be, you know, spectacular, but really solid weapons. Uh, and you're going to, like you said, Sean, you're going to see him get a lot of carry, especially in the goal line. Um, so, you know, I don't think he has to do much more to return what he did last year. I don't think he has to overcompensate in any area. So, yeah, yeah I, I'm a guy who usually takes quarterbacks late so I, i'm of that same mindset so but yeah i think he's the unquestioned number one qb in, in fantasy at least right now yeah i agree i agree with both uh, what you said and, and dynasty leagues they own cam in quite a few places and it was mainly down to that season two years ago where his price kind of dropped a little bit and uh, i took him then but um you know if you're heading into this season i'll be waiting too i won't be taking him as early as he's going and you both mentioned the carries obviously that he's going to get in and the red zone particularly around the goal line jonathan stewart then i thought last year he had quite a solid season but that is always the worry with him will he get the touchdown upside to to push him into that next tier of running back he's somebody that this season i'm not all that high on and i know you like to to wait and get those later uh, running backs is uh, jonathan stewart somebody that might fall into that category for you sean yeah, I think if he falls to the very end of his range, then he starts to become 
pretty intriguing. Brian Malone had a good article for us on Rotoviz a few days ago talking about Stewart and how the big problem for him is not talent because he seems to be, and we've got a lot of different pieces of evidence or information that would seem to indicate he's one of the most talented running backs in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. But his his carry structure is is very poor for fantasy, where he gets a lot of carries between the twenties, even a lot of carries inside the twenty, but not a lot at the goal line since Newton has been taking those. And and even sort of inside the ten carries are not that valuable if they don't come at the one at the two. It's hard to get that really high touchdown season. And so without that, and with a situation in their offense where he doesn't catch a bunch of passes, you know he could get two hundred and fifty, three hundred carries and still not really provide you any more running back value than people you can get very late yeah i think it's a situation if cam newton wasn't his quarterback i think he would be a lot higher uh, you know regarded in, in terms of fantasy i think that cam really uh, and around the touchdown vultures a lot of his value there so i, I have to agree with that on to their wide receivers and you're looking at uh, benjamin funches and Ginn as the three main options funches uh, coming in as a rookie last year finished the season quite well particularly in the playoffs we'll see if he can take that into the season Benjamin then had a, a strong rookie year but it was very inconsistent and mainly uh, succeeded down to his touchdown ability as you know a big big a big big size and in the red zone he's obviously going to have that threat and then again as Doug mentioned is more of a, a home run threat and likes to to drop uh, home run attempts as well quite quite often as we've seen even though he had 10 touchdowns last year a lot of uh, balls dropped in good positions out of those three Sean um, is there any of them at their ADP that does interest you or are they ones that you're kind of shying away from well I think Ginn could be a great yeah, person right, really at the end yeah. of, of best ball leagues so if you're playing in an MFL 10 or something that, that works on the same kind of structure then he's perfect because you know he's going to have two or three games where you know he has a 70 yard <laughs> touchdown catch and just right there you know you've got a lot of value yeah the two big names are really tricky you know Devin Funches is on my list of the seven breakout wide receivers you need to own in in 2016 and even with him having a little bit of an inconsistent rookie season, you know, not really establishing himself on the depth chart the way owners would have hoped. And, and even with, you know, a, a sort of strange production profile there at Michigan where he plays tight end, he moves to receiver, their offense doesn't work, and so he doesn't accumulate a bunch of stats. He has a pretty good projection for for this season, and certainly at his ADP, you have to really like that. And I've never been on the Kelvin Benjamin bandwagon, but I think that there can be the potential to sort of overreact to the fact that he wasn't very efficient, you know, overreact to the fact that, especially when Newton played, Benjamin did not play well on a per target basis and forget that he actually commanded a ton of targets as a rookie, which is something that Funches didn't do. And so he's, he's tricky at his price because he's going very early, but if he should drop at all, which I think we're already starting to see him drop a little bit, then suddenly he gets back into that range where, you know, if he has a heavy target volume and, you know, a good, good touchdown luck, you know, he could finish as a, you know, a top 10 wide receiver. And then all of a sudden, you know, you love the price. So both of those guys are very intriguing. Yeah. I think when you look at it, you know, there's a huge drop off in, in ADP between, uh, Kelvin Benjamin, Devin Funches. So right now, uh, Kelvin Benjamin uh, is being picked in, in my fantasy league, uh, MFL's uh, uh, redraft, uh, 20th overall wide receiver. So low, uh, 
you know, back end wide receiver two value. Uh, he's being picked around the 38th, 39th pick. So we're looking at the top of the fourth round. It's hard to get on. Like, uh, it, it's it's harder for me to like him when you compare it to someone like Devin Funches, who's being picked outside of the top 50 for wide receivers still right now in MFLs. Uh, he's actually being picked in the 130 or so pick. So we're looking at actually the 13th round. Um, I believe if I'm doing my math right, hopefully. So it's, I think it's easier to like him more. I think he's e- I think he's a better pick to outperform his ADP than Kelvin Benjamin. Not saying that Benjamin can't, but it's kind of easy, a lot easier, not kind of, but a lot easier to outperform a, a top, outside of the top 50 ADP in wide receivers as opposed to a top 20. So um, <laughs> um, just moving in, I guess the last part we have to talk about, and obviously this is a guy that we can't go without mentioning in this uh, this Panthers offense besides Cam Newton. Uh, that, that's Greg Olson. I, I want to get your take on it, Sean. Uh, personally for me, I think that Greg Olson – is going to have another similar year to what he had last year, even though Benjamin's back. Again, this offense doesn't change that much, um, and I still think that maybe Olsen doesn't see as many targets, um, but I think he's still going to be a threat in the run zone. I think over the middle of the field, he'll still be someone to look out for, and I think he has a fast track to being a top-five tight end again this year. But I want to get your take on it as well. Olsen is one of those guys who's a little bit tricky because – there is going to be some target pressure and you never know exactly how teams are going to use their tight end in the offense, how relevant, you know, more wide receiver firepower is going to be, you know, with Benjamin back with Funchess emerging, you would think that that is going to make him a little bit less of the focal point, but you know, with them having different roles, he could still, you know, he could still be someone who scores quite well and he's so well established and the offense is so strong that I think he's a pretty safe player. And that may be what you're looking for, you know, in that tight end four, tight end five range. He's someone where the Rotoviz similarity scores are actually not quite as high on him as you might guess. And he's not someone I look at and necessarily plan to take when I'm going into drafts. But at the same time, he is someone I have been taking as the draft goes along. And so I think that when you're trying to decide, you know, who the players that jump out to you are and you find yourself actually picking someone with decent frequency in actual drafts, then that's something to definitely be aware of. Yeah, and I, I think I find myself taking him in some drafts this off season, and I don't usually go tight end that early, but I just think uh, as the draft progresses, if he continues to drop into that kind of sixth, seventh round at times, uh, I think the value is definitely there and he has to be taken. Uh, moving on to the New Orleans Saints, uh, we have obviously Drew Brees, a quarterback, and you know Brees has been, since he's been with the Saints, has been just a, a model of consistency. He's had uh, over 4,000 yards for 10 straight seasons, over 30 touchdowns in eight of those years, and, uh, fa- uh, and, tr- uh, and four of those years, sorry, has thrown for over 5,000 yards. So, you know, you kind of, you know what you're getting with Drew Brees, and more so than uh, taking Drew Brees a quarterback, it's what he provides to the players around him, you know, at the wide receiver position. You're looking at Branton Cooks, Willie Sneed, and Michael Thomas coming in this year uh, as a rookie then obviously Kobe Fleener's coming in at the the tight end position as well so it's more about what he's going to distribute uh, with the pass catchers and I know that you are quite high on Brandon Cooks he's not somebody that is uh, really I'm not down on Brandon Cooks but I'm just not as high as others are and he tends to go before uh, he w- I would take him in drafts uh, just with Cooks in that regard uh, your thoughts on him for the upcoming season and um, you know the positives that you think he brings to the table we have Breeze projected uh, with the Rotoviz projection machine to lead the NFL in attempts again this year, and that's not a surprise to anybody. And I think that gives all of those guys a pretty high floor, even when you look at what the Saints do with their offense, where they rotate players in and out. Cooks 
you know, being relatively healthy, still only played 83% of the snaps last year. And I don't think that we really should expect, you know, him to jump up to the, you know, 97, 98% of snaps that you often see from other elite receivers. So, you know, that in some ways hurts his ceiling, but with Breeze, the explosiveness, the potential for a season sort of like we get from Jordy Nelson from time to time, where the target numbers are actually not that good at all, but the efficiency per target is just amazing. Uh, I think that's what you're looking for in your dream scenario for Cooks. Last year in the first six weeks, he averaged less than one yard per snap. And then after that, he averaged about 1.4. And so I think, you know, with their offense sort of coming back together again, I think they have the pieces in place now to have the best offense they've had in three or four years. I think it's going to be very difficult to cover him. And so his per play efficiency, I think, will be extremely, extremely high. Yeah, no, I, I think that, it, you know, when you look at the Saints team, there's no shortage of wide receivers this year in terms of who can actually produce. It's more so can we see it more consistent, uh, consistently, really? Because like you said, uh, Brandon Cooks, you know, wasn't that consistent at least to start the season. He finished out strong. I think he finished just out, uh, just inside uh, wide receiver one range in 12-team leagues. So um, it'll be interesting to see if, if, you know, another year under his belt might, uh, you know, get him back on track and, and keep him more consistent. I think he's got a, an ADP where he might be a little overdrafted to me, at least, just because I don't, I don't trust him 100% yet to perform, you know, consistent, consistently at least. And I think that's a big thing to keep in mind. Uh, but what I did want to ask you, though, and, and I'm curious about this because I'm targeting him almost everywhere I can. I'm a guy who usually does PPR leagues. That's Mark Ingram. Um, so a lot of people don't realize, maybe you saw the preseason, uh, the hype last offseason, but he was getting more looks in the backfield uh, when it comes to uh, receiving the ball, which is something we hadn't seen because uh, we had Darren Sproles, we saw C.J. Spiller, and we didn't think much of it. But then he came in, and he actually was he actually had 50 receptions in 12 games uh, last year, along with uh, you know over 160 carries. So he was still getting plenty of carries on top of getting uh, receptions. He actually finished in 12 games, uh, almost 1,200 yards from scrimmage, um, and actually through weeks one through 12 in PPR was the uh, number three running back in fantasy. Um, so I'm curious, uh, are you still confident in Mark Ingram? putting up this type of numbers he did last year. Obviously there's some injury concern, but are you, is he a guy you're targeting, especially in PPR leagues? Yeah. The, the development with Ingram that was so exciting was just the receptions, as you mentioned, and not just receptions when the saints were leading, but also receptions when they were trailing, he didn't lose, you know, those targets or those snaps to some of the peripheral running backs as he has in the past. And so if he plays that sort of role where, you know, he's also the go-to guy when they're trailing, which even if their offense is much better this year, which I believe it will be, you know, they're still going to be in that situation where they do face deficits late in games and they have a great offense for putting up huge numbers, you know, in those trailing situations. If Mark Ingram is in the game at that point, which I believe he will be then, you know, he could put up an avalanche of fantasy points this year. Yeah, he's somebody also that I've I've been targeting a lot and trying to buy up in as many places as I can. So I think this offense is out of all, many of the offenses in the league, there's a lot of scenarios, but I think preseason we'll see a lot of interesting stuff here because obviously, as I mentioned, I'd like to see what Cooks is doing, although we mightn't see him involved too much. But then you have guys like Willie Sneed, who uh, was on that breakout list that I mentioned at the start of the show that you've done, uh, you know, that you're expecting him to kind of continue his trajectory 
trajectory that he had last year and I thought uh, you know that he was uh, really really good last year he just didn't get in the end zone as many times and he, he was quite unlucky you know tackles into the 10 yard line and that's why I think he's somebody who could be quite interesting this season obviously Michael Thomas might work into that value but I think you know as I mentioned lots of times in the show we're starting to get a little bit too confident in rookies coming in and you know making an impact straight away and the other player in this offense that I'm interested to see in the preseason is uh, Kobe Fleener there's been a lot of good reports about him coming out of camp but uh, I think a lot of that's just you know uh, coach speak and obviously Drew Brees wants to give his man a little bit of confidence uh, is Fleener or uh, Sneed or Thomas somebody obviously I mentioned you are high on uh, Sneed as well the other guys uh, anything there that you're interested to see um, heading into the season I think all of those guys definitely have scenarios where they could do extremely well Sneed is the person that I'm looking at I think it's easy to forget that you know he was on practice squads the previous year, but last year was his first year. And for that being his first year, it was an extraordinary season. His collegiate production and then obviously being in a high-powered offense, both of those things point to him taking the next step and being a huge value where he's being drafted. The concern would just be that if, if Cooks and Sneed, if neither one of those guys are really getting the sorts of red zone looks that you'd like to see, then you know that might hurt their upside. And that's where Thomas and Fleener come into play. And I kind of expect those two guys to cannibalize each other to make it so that it's difficult for either one of them to pay back their price. You know, last year, Watson had 110 targets, which was more than Snead. I think that will flip this year where Snead gets more targets than the tight end, especially since the tight end may lose uh, targets to Thomas. So I think those guys are, are pretty tricky at their price, but certainly there are scenarios where they could outperform. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of what I meant by seeing what happens in the preseason because I'm just not 100% convinced by any other scenarios at the moment. And obviously there is going to be those targets there with uh, Drew Brees throwing the ball. On to the Bucks, and uh, we've got Jameis Winston heading into his second year there, obviously, and showed some positive uh, signs um, during his rookie season. And I'm interested to see how his, uh, obviously he's been, he's lost a lot of weight and he looks to be in great shape. He's working out with uh, Mike Evans throughout the offseason as well to see if they can build up a nice rapport. So I think it's going to be interesting to see that as well. But just starting off on uh, Jameis Winston in year two, is he somebody that you think can make that leap as a fantasy quarterback and uh, be even better than he was last year? Um, or is he somebody that you think just going to take another couple of years to get to that level? He's a guy I wasn't extremely high on going into last year. And then, you know, he, he had that rough first game and you're yeah. thinking, you know, maybe, maybe you're right. Yeah. But then, then he blossomed and, and performed extremely well for, for a rookie quarterback. And so I think there are a lot of reasons to be excited. Um, Doc, one of the, the Rotoviz writers, did an extremely interesting article where he used some different machine learning types of procedures to sort of put quarterbacks in buckets and then project them, you know, based on what similar quarterbacks from those buckets had done. And his take was that Winston fit into a group where you actually expect them to start to see declining performance right away. Now, with a second-year guy, you're expecting a little bit of a jump, but that that doesn't necessarily mean to avoid Winston, but it was interesting that he fit into a group where maybe some skepticism is warranted. The flip side of that is I think that what they decided to do with their head coaching situation uh, very much suggests that they're going to go to a, a pass-heavy attacking offense. And, you know, you look at their their head coach's tendencies, you know, last year were run heavy, but when he coached in Atlanta, were very pass heavy. And so I think if they switch the way their offense runs, then that would be very favorable for him, very favorable for Evans, and, you know, potentially favorable for, you know, someone like Vincent Jackson and, and even the tight end situation there that's a little bit muddled. 
So moving in, obviously, I think we have a more sure situation with the running backs. Obviously, I think we this is one of the offenses where I think there's more than one running back that's obviously got some value um, in 2016 for, for fantasy. Uh, and we're talking about, obviously, Doug Martin, who just signed a big contract extension, and uh, Charles Sims, who um, I- I'm actually looking at right now, and it's quite interesting. Even though Doug Martin had this breakout season last year, uh, Charles Sims still had over um, – a thousand yards from scrimmage, almost eleven hundred yards. Um, he still had over a hundred rushing attempts, and he had fifty-one receptions as well. Um, I don't, for me at least, obviously Dirk Cutter took over as the the head coach of the uh, the team, but he was their offensive coordinator. I personally don't see a lot of it changing in terms of what they do, and I, and I still think obviously Martin's going to be the bell cow for their 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 uh, you know their rushing attempts. But I'm curious to see more so. Do you think that Charles Sims, obviously still behind? Uh, a guy like Doug Martin, can he still put up the type of uh, stats that we saw? Because right now he's being picked actually at the the 36th running back taken overall. So uh, just about a ru- running back four um, sort of value, even in PPR leagues right now through uh, MFL. Charles Sims is the guy I have on my list of, of running backs to target You know, if you decide to employ a zero running back strategy. On the other hand, there are some red flags and that he was the second most efficient running back in the NFL last year in terms of you know value per target. And so if we expect some of those plays to be you know in the unsustainable category and that drops off a little bit, then there's suddenly the question of, you know, is there enough volume for both guys? You could see this as being a situation where both players play well, the offense performs well, and yet they're still being drafted toward the top end of their ranges, in which case, you know, I think you could you could make a sell case for both players as well. Yeah, I think, you know, when you go into it with uh, Martin's previous injury history and so on and so forth, Sims is somebody that I'm very high on. I know, I know you've talked a lot about him this offseason, Sean, as well. I just think he has standalone value as, a, you know, even when Martin is in there, particularly in PPR leagues as well. But, you know, if Martin was to go down with an injury, they just the, the sky's the limit uh, for him, I think, in this offense as well. So he's somebody that I'm definitely targeting at that value. You mentioned if you're employing zero RB, even if you're employing non-zero RB, I think he's somebody that should still be definitely targeted. Moving on to the wide receivers, you've got Mike Evans, um, you've got Vincent Jackson, who's a little bit banged up at the moment, missed out on training over the last couple of days uh, of training camp with the Buccaneers and then there's guys like Kenny Bell that's there and it's just a you know a model I think you're looking at the the starting situation of Mike Evans then Vincent Jackson if he's healthy but you know Lewis Murphy's there as well it's it's hard to really get a definition on who at the moment is going to be that that third wide receiver uh, particularly then if uh, Vincent Jackson is banged up but Mike Evans I think this season will see a huge amount of targets in this offense and I think although he is going uh, in that first or you know, early second round range, I think he, he still could uh, have that upside this season. Yeah, even even with how poor certain aspects of his play ended up being last year, yeah. most most analysts are doing are valuing him pretty appropriately. So he had a, a huge number of drop passes, a number that almost speaks to to really bad luck and, and concentration much more than the quality of his hands. You had those drops, you had very poor touchdown luck. Um, and so that really hurt his numbers. And yet his yardage number is still advanced. And then you see this likely switch to 
a little bit more pass-heavy offense, which doesn't necessarily mean that we'll see a gigantic jump in his targets. A lot of those games last year, Vincent Jackson was not 100%. They had no one else to throw to, so they were throwing to him quite a bit, especially with Safarian Jenkins also out for decent stretches. But yeah, he's he's certainly one of the guys with the rookie year that he put up with even in sort of a disastrous second season, his actual stats, you know, were not that poor. Yeah. You know, you could see him jump into that tier of players who has the, you know, who have the 1600 yard, you know, 13 or 14 touchdown type of season in their range of outcomes. And certainly those are the people you want to stockpile on your rosters. Yeah, definitely agree with you there. And then obviously at the tight end position, you mentioned this model, the way of Austin Safarian Jenkins, who just can't seem to get it all together uh, on the field. And uh, that's worrying, obviously, for Buccaneers fans and for fantasy owners. He's somebody that a lot of people have very, very highly rated as a talent, but just not getting it all together on the field. And you've Cameron Brett as well. But I'm just going to leave that one and wait and see what happens in the preseason. Then moving on to the Atlanta Falcons, you have Matt Ryan. And I think over the last couple of seasons, uh, we've kind of got to know what we have in Matt Ryan as a fantasy quarterback. He's somebody that you'll you know stream from time to time, but he, he's not somebody with that real top-tier upside uh, um, you're kind of stuck and you're going to get the same thing year in year out and he just doesn't get the the touchdown numbers really needed and I think in this offense with the running backs we're going to talk about now and Freeman who had such a good year last season and then uh, Tevin Coleman behind him as well I can't see Matt Ryan getting that upside of touchdown so he's somebody that I'm kind of passing over again this season in fantasy football then at those two running backs uh, Coleman somebody I'm targeting as well if you're going for that more zero RB strategy is he somebody that you're targeting as well and then your thoughts as well on uh, Freeman both of those guys could end up being undervalued in that Devontae Friedman to have that sort of season and then be falling toward the end of the second round I mean some of that is just wide receivers moving up in ADP but he still looks undervalued at this point Tevin Coleman taking a decent chunk of his touches I mean, that's really factored into his price and yep. so if anything happens to Coleman Coleman struggles in any area then you know you you see that workload for Friedman jump back up to being you know absolutely huge and including the receptions and even when he started to struggle as a pure running back in the second half of the season you know he still brings that receiving value to you so he looks pretty undervalued to me at the same time Coleman is someone I am targeting because if you have an injury he's someone who at his price, he probably is going to have a little bit of standalone value, and you're hoping to get to draft players in that range who, if you had to play them, you could. Yeah. But then there are scenarios in which he ends up as the number one overall running back. And so if you have that scenario, and it's 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 an extreme scenario, but it's not certainly <laughs> um, it's not as extreme, I think, as it might seem. And so certainly at that price, I think you can take the plunge there. Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, a lot of, uh, of contested things that we've seen is can Devontae Freeman keep up his pace of what we saw last season? He tapered off towards the end of the season. And then the other thing is, can Tevin Coleman actually have a role in this offense? And everything we've seen so far indicates that. So it'll be interesting to see if if he can have a role uh, while not causing Freeman to lose value. Um, but going into the wide receivers a little bit, I'm curious about this. Not just about the guy that we all know about, Julio Jones, which I'll ask you about. But um, yeah, I know I'm, I'm I'm going I'm going against the grain. I I ask about a wide receiver if, first. That's Julio, Julio Jones. Julio Jones is a top uh, a first round pick this year. <laughs> oh wow, really? Yeah. Well, we'll have to discuss why you think that because I'm <laughs> floored with that. Um, but no, what I'm curious about is is the addition of Mohamed Sanu to this team. 
because obviously they had Roddy White there for a long time as their wide receiver two, even their wide receiver one when Julio came on. And then he just really, his play just really got bad last season. He was released by the team and they signed Sanu. I'm looking at it here. So last year the Falcons had, and this is what I'm focusing on, because I think one of the things we've seen with, with, um, with Shanahan's offense, Kyle Shanahan's offense, is he can really do well with one receiver. Um, and we saw that with Josh Gordon. We saw that with Pierre Garçon even. And then also with um, with Julio Jones as well. So I'm curious because we look at this. There were 40 red zone looks at last year. There were 40 red zone targets. Um, 22 of them went to Julio Jones. And then there was 18 divided between the next three guys, which is Justin Hardy, who actually had more than Roddy White, uh, Roddy White, and then uh, Nick Williams as well. So what I'm curious about is where do you see Muhammad Sanu in this offense? Uh, you know, can he be a, a guy that actually makes some noise, even though he's a wide receiver too in a Shanahan offense, or is he just going to be a guy who's going to not? He's going to be probably a better football player than fancy player. And obviously, give your your thoughts on Julio. I guess what I'm curious about is that is do you think he could do better than Odell in 2016? With, with Julio Jones and the Falcons receivers, I think what you're really hoping to see is that Sanu and, and possibly Justin Hardy are just good enough to take a little bit of the attention away from Jones so that he's going to have that extremely high target number again this year, and you're hoping that he can be even more efficient. You're looking at someone who you know, is probably the closest thing to a Calvin Johnson that, that we have in the NFL now that Megatron is retired. And so... <laughs> you're really looking for someone in the Shanahan offense where the targets are very much funneled to that one guy. You know, you're hoping to see a record-breaking season. You're hoping to see like a 2020, which, you know, obviously the chances of that are slim, but this would be the perfect offense to do it if those other guys can just pull a little bit of the defensive coverage. Because, you know, if he's if he's getting the kind of defensive attention he did last year, then you're certainly still set up for a, a wide receiver two, wide receiver three type of finish. But it takes away, I think, his potential to have a historic season. Yeah, and it's interesting. Even with that coverage, he had last year still finished the season with uh, almost 1,900 yards, 1,871. So if he could get a little bit of help, and last year there really was none between the guys there. You know, Justin Hardy and uh, Roddy White didn't really uh, help to, to take anything over to that side and free him up at all. So if he can get a, a little bit of help, I think it could be uh, very, very interesting this season. I, I do expect him to, to be challenging for that uh, wide receiver number one overall. And I think that, you know, he's going to be in, in that top five anyway for certain if he, if he stays healthy for the entire season. A tight end then for the, the Falcons, there's not much again. Like I mentioned there with the uh, Buccaneers, not much to, to look at at the moment. Jacob Tammy and then rookie Austin Hooper are there. And, you know, it's not some, nobody that I'm going to be investing in at this present moment in time for the, the 2016 season. Maybe if you're looking in Dynasty Leagues, Hooper might be somebody to keep a very close eye on. But uh, outside of that there, that pretty much wraps up all of the NFC South, unless uh, you guys either use of any names that weren't mentioned in the NFC South that you think we really need to dig deep on. Um, no, that's, that was a great list. I, I think you, I think you yeah, got it. I, yeah, I don't think there's really any other names. Uh, to think about, I think we, you know, the the one thing with um, the Saints wide receivers is is that you know Michael Thomas, are we overvaluing him? Yeah. Uh, even even though he, you know, even though he's in a, an extremely uh, pass heavy offense like the Saints, um, he would be at best probably their wide receiver three. 
Yep. Um, when they have Mark Ingram and Kobe Fleener also think about there aren't even wide receivers. So I think that might be something where we're overvaluing him as a fantasy producer, but, you know, obviously a very talented guy. So that, that would be my only other uh, thing to just add right there. But otherwise, yeah, I think we covered a yeah. lot of players. Yeah, I think we did. It'll not be long. It'll just be up on Twitter and somebody will be tweeting that we forgot about uh, somebody that, you know, was an undrafted free agent that we haven't talked about. But we'll let that come when it does. Um, obviously, I mentioned that article earlier, um, Sean, that you uh, released over the last couple of days, the seven breakout must in 2016. I read it, thought it was very interesting. I mentioned, obviously, Willie Sneeds in it. Is there anyone else that you want to plug that you've in that list or any other articles you've out? I don't want to give everything away. Uh, there's only seven names in the list, but uh, anything you've got either coming out that you want to give a quick plug before we finish up? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I I think we, we, we have it covered. There are some surprises on the list and a couple of guys who are on most people's lists that I left out, so people might be interested in, in taking a peek and, and seeing who the exclusions were but no look at look for Snead to, to have a big season and I, I think that covers it yeah I thought it was uh, that's what I thought was interesting about the list too I didn't mention that everyone kind of has their lists and there's a lot of the same people reused and done over again but uh, there's quite a few names in that list and quite a few good uh, discussions written after it that uh, might help people out with their fantasy football insight heading into their drafts and that of course is on Rotoviz where you can find uh, all of Sean's work and he's on Twitter at ff underscore contrarian and uh, definitely definitely worth a follow for those of you who don't uh, don't follow him his uh, avatar is the one with the banana in it so uh, that's the that's one how that, you can uh, tell yeah <laughs> if you see the banana you know that that's the, the sean one <laughs> but uh thanks sean for jumping aboard the show it's been a lot of fun having you on and um hopefully we can do it again sometime down the line um obviously then of course uh, as we finish up the show obviously the podcast is on itunes stitcher all those ways don't be afraid to give us a rating or a comment on there and of course me and doug will be back uh, next week on the show and i didn't mention it actually um uh, yet on the show my uh, all the american guys here on the show will call the bachelor party my uh, stag party is actually this saturday night so probably be later in the week next week doug when we record before i recover <laughs> from that so uh, don't don't be in a rush to to listen to oti next week we'll see we'll see how we get on and um, i'll be back for another one i might i might have a sore throat or something but we'll get through it but thanks sean for jumping aboard the show Thanks for having me. You guys have been awesome. Uh, And of course, with that all done, with everything out of the way, all the plugs wrapped up, uh, until we're back next week, have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.